Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Uh, happy to be joined by uh, Kate Eberly Walker, uh, uh, CEO of Presence Learning, and someone with uh, with an interesting background uh, in education, educational technology, and most recently uh, telehealth and uh, tele teletherapy. And uh, I think that's really what we wanted to focus on uh, with Kate uh, today. So, Kate, welcome to Trending in Education. Thanks, Mike. Good to be here. Uh, and uh, can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your background uh, in education and in business and uh, what led you to presence learning? Sure, absolutely. So I, well, I started my career in finance, working on Wall Street and investment banking. And one of my favorite clients was Washington Post Company, which owned Kaplan. Mm -hmm. So I got to know Kaplan and got into education through that path. Mm -hmm. And I joined Kaplan after business school and spent nine years doing acquisitions, investments, mm -hmm. business development partnerships, really getting to know everything about every aspect of the education business all around the world. Mm -hmm. And after that, I joined IAC, which had bought tutor.com and was looking to expand on a platform for online consumer education. Mm -hmm. We combined that with Princeton Review and I became the CEO of that entity and led it for a few years mm -hmm. until we sold that business. And when I was looking looking at other companies and looking for, for what I was going to do next, I got to know Presence Learning and got really excited about the idea of, of using teletherapy in schools to deliver services to students. It was very similar to a lot of what I had done over the years at Kaplan and Princeton Review in terms mm -hmm. of using technology to better connect students with experts. And it was a way of doing that and using technology to connect therapists with the students in schools who need them. Very cool. Uh, and uh, very similar to the live online programs we've been running at Kaplan uh, for, for over 10 years uh, here at Test Prep, which is very close to, close to my heart. Um, and uh, yeah, so can you talk a little bit about uh, what telehealth is? And, uh, you know, there's, I guess, more broadly, there's telehealth. Uh, telemedicine is another way in which, like, I've heard that as historically where a lot of this began and then teletherapy. Um, you guys uh, at Presence Learning are uh, focused, I guess, on the telehealth, uh, special education, and uh, teletherapy, but, uh, but I'd love yeah. to hear, hear you give us a little more context around that. Yeah, sure. So, so I mean, tele telehealth or teletherapy in its simplest form is, is a patient connecting with a clinician through a screen mm -hmm. instead of instead of physically in a room. And that does take all forms. I mean, there are really interesting things happening in broader medicine where MDs are connecting mm -hmm. with patients yep. through, through a screen instead of in person. Mm -hmm. uh, in our case at Presence Learning, we're connecting speech therapists, occupational therapists, school psychologists, and social workers with students through a screen. And so, you know, for us, as in these other areas of telehealth, health, it's really all about expanding access to experts. You know, there's often disconnects between where the experts and clinicians live and where the students are who need the services. Yep. And so teletherapy has really emerged in a big way across all of these different fields as a way to as a, as a way to get patients to get students access to therapists. I think another thing that that you know not everyone realizes about teletherapy is that 
it's more than just, you know, talk, it's more than just FaceTime or Zoom or mm -hmm. Skype or, you know, what, whatever method you might think of. It's more than just looking at someone on the screen and talking to them and interacting that way. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there are often other tools on a platform, you know, games, activities, assessments. Yep. You can show videos. It's, it's you know, very interactive experience. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, uh, and I imagine there's been an evolution there. Like we've seen, uh, you know, personally, I've seen it over the last 10 years, uh, you know, focusing mainly on Kaplan's live online programs. Early on, it was kind of new, different, exciting. And, you, you know, it appealed probably most to the more adventurous early adopter, you know, tech savvy audience, tech savvy segment. Um, I imagine there may have been historically a little bit of that trend uh, within schools. I'd love to hear your perspective, but, uh, but at least what I've seen over the last four or five years, at least, is that it's becoming more just an expectation and something that uh, a broader market, also, a, a, you know, the emerging generation, Gen Z, is more comfortable with screens. Uh, and I think their parents are frequently more comfortable uh, choosing an online option like that. Have you seen similar trends around, uh, you know, how schools are uh, ready for teletherapy as opposed to, uh, you know, having a, a more traditional model? There, there's definitely been an, an evolution and it is, it's, it's really similar to what we saw in broader online learning. Mm -hmm over the past decade plus. I mean, I think of in, in general online learning, there was this evolution, not only in, in cultural comfort levels mm -hmm. with interacting through technology, but with what, what the modality was, was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like you said, in the early days of live online, you were essentially filming someone standing in the front of a classroom right. and there wasn't as much personalization, there wasn't as much interactivity. Yep. It was really, I think, viewed as a, an acceptable substitute for in-person learning if you had no other option. Yes. And it grew over time and evolved and people could really see the ways in which online learning could be certainly equal and often better mm -hmm. because you could, you could personalize it more and yeah. you could add more features to what you were doing in an online setting. Right. So teletherapy has had a similar evolution. I think it, it started later. It's, you know, it's, it's been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. There, there was a Mayo Clinic equivalency study in 1997 that, that first validated that teletherapy was a valid and effective method for serving students and patients generally. Yep. Um, but I would say it wasn't until, you know, 2009 approximately, which is when Presence Learning was first founded, that it started to be used in a school setting yep. at all. And at the beginning, it was definitely viewed as, you know, I need to serve students. If I don't have any in-person options, I'll give this a try. Right. It's grown over time to be something that educators really believe in and use as a tool to mm -hmm. do more than, you know, do more than just substitute for the, for the offline experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fully understand what you're talking about. And uh, I also think the, um, the related point is that uh, through uh, live online through tele telehealth teletherapy, you open up access to expertise that you could never uh, really solve on a local in-person level. So, in addition to the experience becoming better uh, and more differentiated, maybe even uh, exceeding what a what a face-to-face -face could do in some ways, 
there's the the demand side of the equation where like when you don't have access to speech pathologists or speech therapists or uh, school psychologists in underserved districts, telehealth is solving that problem. Presence learning is solving that problem in a, in a very uh, genuine way, the, the access problem. Absolutely. It's, I mean, there, there is a, a significant mismatch in the supply and demand mm -hmm. in, this, in this area in particular. So you have, you have 7 million students across the country who have been diagnosed with a special education need. A lot of that relates to speech therapy or language therapy needs. Mm -hmm. um, you only have about 60,000 certified school-based speech therapists nationwide. So mm -hmm. you think about you know, just the sheer numbers of it, you, you're already, you're already at a capacity challenge. And then when you layer onto that, the geography of it and trying to get people physically to a room and, and making that work. I mean, it's, it's really a challenge mm -hmm. for schools, particularly in rural districts to be able to find the professionals locally. Yeah. And a lot of the needs are in those more remote rural districts. You yep. know, we have we have district partners that we work with in rural areas that, you know, might have 20% plus of their population has special needs where yep. the nationwide average is 13%. So right. there is really a need to get the expert services to these places where you just you just can't from a practical perspective have to drive. Right, right, right. And then, and then the other aspect of uh, of that is on the the side of the the professional, like the, this opens up new uh, new uh, work life balance opportunities, where uh, rather than being on the road, visiting schools or only being uh, only having access to work in my local district, what you what uh, I believe you know I'd love to hear you talk more about this, but like. This will open up opportunities for uh, speech therapists and school psychologists and folks with uh, with training in uh, behavioral uh, behavioral education um, to find new ways in which they can uh, really deliver their own services. Yeah, for I mean, for the majority of the clinicians that are coming to work with us at Presence Learning, they part of why they choose teletherapy is exactly for the work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So we, so 97% of our therapists are women and three quarters of them are working moms. Mm -hmm. And so, for, you know, from their perspective, they, they love the work that they do. They love working in schools, but it often gets to a point where going on site and working full time and not having any flexibility becomes too difficult for them to maintain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we hear over and over again in the stories from our therapists that they, you know, teletherapy offered them a way to continue doing that work, mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the work that they love most, which is the direct interactions with students, but in a way that they could actually fit. And, you know, when they go out and they talk about that and, you know, look to recruit and expand the next generation of therapists, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's really appealing. I mean, it's offering people a view to a path that they can see themselves, you know, staying on throughout a career. So I think, yeah. I think it's really significant for the profession. Yeah, exactly. And you save on uh, like all that inefficiency around travel too, you know, so like when you're, you're either providing the, the direct value from your home or you're you're doing something else you know what right, i mean right well you know and it reminds me a lot of of the dynamics in online tutoring mm -hmm. from you know from both the the company's perspective and the tutor's perspective you don't want 
you don't want them to be driving. You don't want to be paying them right. for driving time. You want to be right. paying them for connecting with students yeah. and that's how they want to spend their time. Yeah, so yeah. It really is so much more efficient if they can spend you know, the majority of their working time connecting directly with students instead of doing all the other logistics sure. that are involved in going on site. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and you talked a little bit about this when, uh, when we were uh, getting started, uh, you know, just preparing for the conversation, but uh, the there's some benefits and drawbacks of teletherapy versus in-person. Um, you know, uh, some of the drawbacks I think are, are probably obvious where like you're not physically in the same space. Um, some of the advantages may be less obvious. So one of the things you uh, you were discussing was just this, this notion if let's say I have a behavioral problem, I'm on an IEP and um, I'm, there's some stigma associated with that. And rather than having that uh, understood as like a face-to-face -face solution, the idea that it's a little bit anonymized by working through teletherapy um, is appealing in some cases. And uh, I'd also love to understand a little more the, the, the dynamics around uh, speech therapy versus mental health therapy. Yeah. Um, but, but any thoughts on just the notion of, uh, of, of, some of the some of the surprising non-obvious benefits of teletherapy yeah there's there's a couple of really interesting dynamics one is for for some students who have a behavioral challenge or condition that might lead to them being uncomfortable in a room with a new adult who mm -hmm. we haven't interacted with. What we hear from our therapists is that the the process of of warming up and getting comfortable flows a lot more easily and goes a lot more quickly mm -hmm. when the student's connecting through a screen. So mm -hmm. that, that's something that we see across speech, across the school psychology and OT pieces is mm -hmm. just there's, there for, for some children, there's just a more comfortable connection mm -hmm. when you're doing it through a screen yeah. instead of with this new person and this new dynamic in the room. So right, that's right. really interesting. Sure. Um, the, the other area you touched on the the idea of you know the the stigma behind some of the services, or maybe just again the comfort level with talking about what you're going through, particularly on the mental health side, the the school psychology side, we we hear consistently from our schools that that it's appealing to them to have a therapist working with their students who's not part of the local community, isn't walking the halls, doesn't know the parents, mm -hmm. that, that all, of, all of that added anonymity really frees up the student to speak comfortably mm -hmm. about what they're going through and to speak more openly. So that's a real advantage. Yeah, and I'd, I'd love to get into a little more of the, the mental health aspect uh, in particular, because I think it, one thing I try to say on the show as often as possible is it's very zeitgeisty. Uh, so uh, it is something that is uh, is bubbling up to national uh, news from time to time. Like, how do we think about the, the growing um, mental health crisis uh, that's emerging, particularly uh, in uh, children and adolescents? Um, so I'd love to get into that a little bit. But but before before digging in there, um, any thoughts or any context for folks just understanding uh, the uh, speech and occupational therapy, because it sounds like, uh, you know, all three components are, are pretty central to what presence learning uh, is, is doing. So I'd love to get into the mental health stuff, but, uh, but before we exit speech and occupational therapy, anything you think uh, is, is worthy of note uh, before moving more into the mental health side? 
So I, on the on the speech and occupational therapy side, which which is as you say the the origins of presence learning and the initial problem we were looking to help schools solve, mm -hmm. is you know the those services are typically tied to the Individual Disabilities and Education Act and to IEPs, and so you have. You have students, that, again, 7 million of them across the country who have an IEP and have a need for support services. Schools do struggle to get the, the therapists in person on staff at the schools. And so that, that's where Presence Learning initially came in with the solution of teletherapy to help schools serve the students. I mean, you see some, you know, you see some really tough numbers of the number of these IEPs that go unserved or underserved. New York City Public Schools, for example, publishes their numbers every year. Last year, 22% of students with IEPs went underserved or unserved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's this, there's this very acute need that schools have to provide those services. There's an added pressure that, you know, a parent does have the option of, of suing the school through a due process mm -hmm. claim if they feel that the services are not being delivered right. to, to the recommended amount. So this is a very fraught area for schools. Yep. And, um, and, and so, you know, where presence learning comes in is to help schools solve that and to get, get the students the therapy services that they need, which, you know, is of course what everybody wants. Sure. What everybody's trying to do. It's yeah. just not always as easy as it can be. Right. Um, you know, where, where we focus a lot of our efforts these days is in trying to, trying to make it easier for schools to use teletherapy. You know, we talked about the sort of evolution and the acceptance of it and the desire to use it. Yep. There are a lot of other, you know, regulatory challenges. A lot of this is state by state. Yep. You know, the, all of these forms of, of clinical licenses are state by state. So, yep. you know, if I live in New York, but I want to serve a student in Oregon, I need to go get cross license there and maintain yeah. that license and pay for that license. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of friction in that area. There's different regulations by state and what's mm -hmm. allowed and what's reimbursable for teletherapy. So there's, you know, th I think there's a lot more that we could do that would just be really good for yeah. schools and for students with special needs mm -hmm. to facilitate teletherapy. So yeah. that, you know, that that's really the origin of, of where presence learning was, you know, created and, mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do. Yeah. What we've seen is that, you know, as, as we expanded and started adding on mental health services and school psychology services, we're really doing that in response to what we were hearing from our school partners. They also needed help with, and I think increasingly need help with. I mean, yeah. As you say, this this is the big topic. I mean, everyone is talking about crisis prevention mm -hmm. and intervention. Yep. Everyone's talking about teen suicide yep. rates, yep. which are, you know, you know, 17%, I think I just read, of, yep. of high school students have considered taking their own lives. Yeah. And, that, and, you know, that's, that's shocking. And I think everyone in a community schools as well as parents, you know, feel feel like they want to, you know, take responsibility for for identifying the risk factors, intervening early, getting students the support that they need. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is an area where teletherapy can really help. Yeah. That. Yeah. And you were saying uh, this is probably the fastest growing part of your, yeah, yeah. 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 It's the fastest growing and it's, it's the most talked about. I mean, you know, I would say when I'm speaking to school administrators, some of the most common requests I get are, you know, do you, can you, can you help us do a training around identifying, you know, 
bully, you know, bullying evidence sure. or, or, you know, suicide risk factors, sure. you know, there, there are, these are the topics that are really on the minds of school administrators mm-hmm. where they're seeing the connections between, you know, those issues and those risk areas and the overall, you know, health of the students and the academic success of the students. Yeah. Another thing I read recently was 160,000 students every day skip school because they're worried about a bullying situation. Wow. So, you know, you think of that, you know, you play that through and yeah. the impact that's going to have on, on, on the student's academic success and achievement is, you know, is a real issue. Yeah, so yeah. Schools want to figure out how to help with. Yeah, well, and it's also great that you already have inroads to solve some of these problems around, um, you know, the traditional uh, special education track uh, or maybe like the speech one in particular, because mm-hmm. I think that's really how presence learning sort of established this connectivity into K-12 yeah, schools. And yeah. now you can be responsive to emerging needs like these emerging mental health yeah. challenges. Yeah, and you know, for even on the on the school psychology side and on the social work side, I think that the the most established process within schools tends to be for the students with with a specific diagnosis or condition or yep. special education needs. So, you know, because the IDEA regulations are so strong and so clear in advocating for the right to support services for students with special needs that, you know, that has been, I think, the the most well-funded area and and the clearest area in terms of process. So, you know, within our mental health services, we see, you know, sort of the, the, most certainty and clarity from schools and what they want to do and what they want to accomplish with those special needs students. But, you know, in, in general, for the school approach to mental health these days is, is typically taking a multi-tiered systems of support approach. And then people think about three tiers. The tier three, the top tier, is those, those diagnosed students with special needs and specific therapy requirements. Mm-hmm. It's the, you know, the tier one, the looking at your general population, monitoring mental health, educating on mental health mm-hmm. and, and educating your administrators and teachers on identification of risk factors. Yeah. And then moving into tier two of when you identify risk factors, what are you going to do? How can you intervene? What are some programs that you can run often at the group level yep. to try to address environmental factors or behavioral factors and get those students back on the right track? Mm-hmm. Those are the areas that everyone's talking about, everyone's thinking about. You know, there there are a lot of conversations at the state level about requirements and programming and funding, but you know, there's there's a lot to come and a lot more needed. So those are the really interesting conversations yeah. that schools are having now is what what can they do, what should they do, how can they interact with parents right. and you know how how can we help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was interesting uh, when we were prepping, uh, you were talking about, I guess, in that tier two range, um, pre-diagnosis, uh, a good uh, one nice aspect of, the, of Live Online as an intervention is that students who might feel more singled out and isolated as uh, a problem child will be connected to a broader set through technology like Live Online so that they could see, I'm actually not alone. There's other kids out there like me. Because uh, in addition to the, to the cyberbullying uh, component of our mental health challenges that we're facing, there's also uh, a, a real loneliness problem 
uh, and a sense of, uh, you know, social isolation, social fragmentation that's sort of coinciding with uh, the use of social media, the use of screens, uh, you know, gaming crisis, all those types of things. But I thought it was very interesting when you were talking about how, you know, in many ways, schools aspire to be preventative rather than just respond to the kids with the diagnosis. And I, I thought it was really interesting what you were uh, describing. I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, a little more on this around uh, the, the one level below a diagnosis mm -hmm. and how uh, live online as an intervention can be, can be really effective there. Yeah. So, you know, when you, when you're thinking about that tier two, it's, it's not even really pre-diagnosis because in, in, in most of these cases, it's not about diagnosing a disability or a condition. Mm -hmm. we, when that happens, that's, that's going to be up in that tier three. And it's often, often the, the best solution is going to be one-to-one -one therapy. Yep. You're, you're looking at, at different factors in the tier one, tier two, where it's environmental, it's situational. Mm -hmm. there, you know, there are things that you can do and skills, that you, skills and strategies that mm -hmm. you can teach to students to help them work through those issues and get back to stronger mental health mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and then of course, ultimately back to academic success. And, and in doing that, what, what a lot of experts find is that you can do it through small group mm -hmm. instruction mm -hmm. rather than through one-on-one. -on -one. And in fact, small group instruction, and like you say, seeing, seeing that there are others like you going through the same things and being able to talk that through is often a big help to students who are in that tier two. Mm -hmm. And where teletherapy is really great is you can, because you can, run a therapy group across multiple locations, right. you can connect students who are more alike in what they're going through and also students who aren't sitting next to each other in homeroom. Right. So again, getting away from that stigma, encouraging more openness, it's a lot easier to talk about your problems when you're in high school, when you're not talking about them in front of somebody who you're going to then see in gym class or whatever. Yeah. It is, right? so, yeah, yeah. It all seems to tie back to that access problem where like frequently these children in distress are don't have access to uh, like trained adults who they can trust who will give them the specific services that they need. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see this heading in the next, um, you know, next five, 10 years? Like, do you, because it does feel like with the advent of online education where it is and this emerging, um, you know, mental mental health crisis uh, mm -hmm. that I, I think a lot of people are calling it a crisis and I, I actually think it is um, where, where do you see it heading like I mean and it sounds like presence learning could play a, a meaningful role in wherever it is heading uh, but as an expert like where uh, where do you think the world of um, uh, special education online special education and uh, online special education in response to some of these emerging mental health uh, challenges that uh, that we're facing. Any thoughts on on where it might go? Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot more a lot more activity that we'll see from schools and a lot more funding for for professional development education across all all teachers, administrators, you know, the, the people on the front lines at schools, they, they are looking for help in identifying risk factors. And I think there's an increasing 
call culturally for our educators to take some accountability for watching and looking and spotting those risk factors, right? Yep. Like that's the first step to mm -hmm. crisis prevention. Right. And, you know, I think that, that we're going to see more funding come from states to facilitate that kind of programming yep. and more, more of a, you know, standard expectation around schools and school administrators having that ability across their staff to mm -hmm. identify the risk factors. So yep. I think that's a big thing we're going to see. Then moving from there, where I think in particular teletherapy really comes in is in, you know, what to do next when you have identified those risk factors. And that's where I think, you know, again, with the support of more funding mm -hmm. from, from states in particular, we'll be able to see schools unlock more budget to actually run programming or place students in, in programming to address some of these issues mm -hmm. that they're spotting. I think, you know, the right now where we're at, I feel like everybody does identify it as a crisis and something we need to address, but there, there is a lack of funding. Yep. And, you know, that is, I mean, the reality is of being an administrator in a K-12 district today is that sure. you know, you're, you, you're very, you're spending so much time and effort figuring out how to make use of the budget you have, how to tap into funding that you don't have, but you really want to, mm -hmm. you know, to deliver all of these services. Right. And I think this, there, there's so much conversation going on right now about how to designate more funding for areas of mental health. And I think, you know, every time that we have a crisis, a crisis at a school, you know, I think of, you know, looking at where Florida is getting to mm -hmm. with funding for crisis prevention mm -hmm. coming, coming out of Parkland. I mean, it's sad that it gets to these, to these moments yeah. to drive behavior, but I think that's what's happening. And every time something like that happens, it's really, it's really providing another push. Makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, we're getting close to time and I definitely want to get any parting thoughts from you, but, uh, but before the parting thoughts, uh, what about the role or, or like providing similar services for, you touched on it a little bit, for educators and for families uh, and parents? Uh, it does, you know, we talked briefly about Talkspace as uh, sort of the adult version of uh, on, like teletherapy. Um, outside of what's delivered through schools um, or even what could be delivered through schools uh, beyond, uh, you know, connecting uh, somebody like a, a licensed uh, practitioner to kids who need those services. How, how are you thinking or how would you expect things to evolve around uh, providing parents better education, better tools to use in their home to identify similar risk factors? Uh, and then it also it sounds like presence learning is exploring providing more of these types of services to uh, to just the general population of educators. Um, any thoughts on, on those areas? Yeah, I mean, for sure, the, you know, we, we so often get requests from schools and, and you know, we, we do already on, a, on an ad hoc basis, programming around professional development for, for spotting risk factors and, and, you know, addressing them from there. So I think that's, you know, that's an area that I think we need a lot more of that, mm -hmm. that schools really want. From a parent perspective, there, you know, I would love to, I would love to find a way to help parents. I'm thinking a lot about, you know, how can we get more information and make it accessible for parents mm -hmm. to really not only understand the risk factors, but, you know, when they have a student who they're seeing, 
child who they're seeing have challenges, what could they do about it? What should they be asking schools to do about it? How can they advocate yeah. for their child? These are areas where parents really struggle to find information and they're definitely hungry for more information. Mm -hmm. I, I think the other the other thing that, that I hear that I get asked for a lot within presence learning is from our own network of therapists. So we work with about a thousand therapists uh, across the country. And they often ask if, you know, we could find a way to open up our teletherapy platform for them to use directly mm -hmm. with parents mm -hmm. and with students. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's another area where there's, there's a lot more that I think parents would like to have happening and, you know, are willing to support mm -hmm. outside of the school and outside of the classroom or incremental to the services yeah. that, that students are receiving there. And mm -hmm. so I think all, all of that flows together. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more to do in particular for parents to make sure that they have access to everything that they need or want yeah. to be to be addressing some of these factors at home. Yeah, even like the support group aspect that you were kind of talking about around the, the small groups of kids, you know, their parents frequently are, yeah, you know, yeah. struggling with this stuff. Um, and then also struggling with the stigma too, you know, so yeah. uh, just providing more support to parents will be an interesting uh, aspect of this. Uh, yeah, and more connections yeah. to other parents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, it's a wonderful conversation. Uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us, Kate. Uh, just as a uh, as we're getting closer to uh, concluding here, are there any uh, any other trends maybe outside of your field or any uh, parting thoughts uh, to, to to impart on all of us uh, on your way on on your way on in your life? Sure. I mean, I think that you know we we talked a lot about the the sort of evolution of online learning and what that's looking like in terms of the evolution for not only teletherapy but telehealth and i think that it's there, there's there's really interesting things already happening and a lot more to come mm -hmm. you know beyond beyond telehealth where it's at today to really looking at driving mental mental health well-being mm -hmm. you know a healthy balance mindfulness i mean i think yes. that there's there there's so much more to do and i've always always believed across the work i've done that that all of that kind of work is better done when you give people access to experts mm -hmm. and you know let them tap into that expertise as they're figuring out their own path toward whether it be to education or to health. Yeah. And so I I think that there's so much we can do in an online environment with online tools to get people a sort of expert directed path mm -hmm. to to you know mental health generally. Yeah, yeah, we should be removing the access problem from yeah. the equation mm -hmm. and technology is allowing us to do that. That. Mm -hmm. So, uh, mm -hmm. so it's great that there are organizations like uh, Presence Learning that are really out there in the field solving this real problem. Uh, hopefully, the 22% uh, of folks who needed access and weren't getting it, uh, you know, as one example, like that's mm -hmm. that's a big that's a big part of the population who can can get genuine help just by opening up access through 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 digital solutions. So thanks again for joining us, uh, Kate. You. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful having you on the show. Uh, Kate Everly Walker, CEO of Presence Learning. Uh, if you look up Presence Learning, you'll find uh, Kate and Presence Learning there and you can learn more, uh, whether you're a parent, uh, you know, an educator, or just interested in what's emerging around uh, telehealth and uh, teletherapy and all the themes we talked about today. 
Wonderful show. Thanks again, Kate. And uh, thanks to our listeners for listening. Uh, This is Trending in Education. Uh, We'll be back again soon. 